Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Come on, people, let's go. I know it's cold, but come on. You ready to hear from the word of the Lord today? Come on now, that's what I need. I, man, I was, I, I've been on a prayer retreat for three days, so this could be like a three-day message uh, because I'm just so amped up on the Holy Spirit right now. It's just insane. Uh, I just love going on my prayer retreats. But it, one of the things that God spoke to me about on, our prayer, on my prayer retreat was like, I am determined to make this into a shouting amen church if it's the last thing I do, okay? I, I realize people in the suburbs don't shout. We're quiet. We're, we're conservative. We're, come on now. We got to get excited. We got the best message on the planet. And one person over here, I don't know who that is. I'm not sure that's my wife, probably is, uh, is excited. But I'm, ex- I'm excited. Hey, I want to uh, tell you one thing, though, very quickly before we start. Every once in a while, we have a need in our congregation that uh, we just need to figure out a way to meet it. And I, I just don't know how to meet this need. I just don't know what to do. Uh, we have a family, one of our Angel Tree families, uh, that the Angel Tree helps out families of incarcerated people. And this mom, the single mom, thrown into becoming a single mom, she has two beautiful children, teenage kids, and uh, she is right now trying to figure out life. She's got a job, but she's in a home, and this home has no heat and no air. Uh, and they're sleeping on a, a love seat, an old beat-up couch. And, and that just tears me up every time I think about it. But I'm like, we have all the resources in the world. Why can't we help this family? And so what I'd like for you to do is grab a next step card if you're willing to help that mom, uh, whether that is, there's no way to get central heat in air in the sense, too complicated for me to talk about that situation. But it, I mean, whether you want to donate a, a nice, boisterous space heater or a, a fold-out um, couch bed, uh, they need a, a futon, something, there's, it, it just, you come talk to me after the service about it or fill out a next step card. And I'll personally call you so that you can help this family. This is, it's, it is just too stinking cold right now for this to be happening in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It just shouldn't be happening. And it just, it just blows my mind that it is. And we have the resources and we have the ability and we are called by God to do something about it. And so we're going to help this family and we're going to help every family as they come our way in any way that we possibly can. And that goes for you, by the way, if your family is ever in need and we can be of help to you. Reach out to us. We'll, we'll keep it anonymous. It's, it's, it's very challenging at times. I remember when I lost my job, and, and uh, this has been almost 20 years ago, and I was in a very, uh, a very rich church in the suburbs at the time, and we had nothing, and it was embarrassing for me to ask for help. And, but there were people that came alongside and helped, and we want to do that as a church. We don't want anybody to go without. So if you're struggling, let us know so we can help you, okay? Amen? Yeah. Well, if you're new, if you're new to Core Church, uh, welcome. Glad you're here today. Uh, we're going to get into the Word of God here and see what God has to say for us today. Laura and I would love to meet you if you're brand new. Uh, so after the service, you can come right down here to the front. We'd love to say hi to you and maybe pray a blessing over your life. You can also go to Starting Point after the service as well. Uh, if you have a Bible, go to Joshua chapter 6. Now, if you're new and you don't have a Bible, we have them. They're free after the service. Come up to the front. We'll make sure that you get one. Or right now, if you have a mobile device, go to corechurch.com. If you don't have a Bible app on your phone, you can download one right there. But I'm going to be in Joshua chapter 6, and I read out of the New Living Translation. We're in our series called Brick by Brick. And this is the first week of that series, and this is a pivotal series in the life of our church. So I need everybody locked in this morning. 
and I need you locked in for the next four weeks. I need you to make a commitment, and I'm going to be here for the next four weeks. So turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to be here all month long. I need you here. I need you to be a part because this is important. I believe this series that we're going into is going to set the course and the direction of our church for the next decade. That's how important this series is. At the end of the month, we're going to have Vision Day that you're going to want to be a part of in the morning and the evening. When you came in today, how many of you saw the bricks by the front when you came in? That's for Vision Day, and that involves you. You do not want to miss Vision Day. If you miss it, you're going to come in a week later or two weeks later, and you'll be like, dang, I didn't know that's what they were doing. And I don't want you to miss that, okay? So we're in this series for the next four weeks. I'm glad you're committing to be here. And let's, let's set up this story, Joshua chapter 6. This is the story about the children of Israel and how they finally came to the promised land that God had for them. God had a land for them, and it was flowing with milk and honey. And you may know that story, you may not. Joshua was a general. He was the leader of Israel's army. And then the leader of Israel, Moses, died right before they entered the promised land. And Joshua got elevated to be in charge of four million people. So he got elected, he beat Hillary Clinton, and he beat Donald Trump in the election, and he won. And it wouldn't be great if Joshua was gonna be our next president. Hallelujah, amen, that would be good. Okay, but that's a whole nother subject. Come on, people, come on now. All right, Joshua chapter six, so they are now getting into the promised land, and they have Jericho in front of them, their first military battle, and we read this in verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. Now on the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. And then the walls of the town, they're going to collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. God, for your word, we are so grateful that we have this gift. And it is truly a gift to have your your word, and I thank you for it, and I just ask in these moments that we have together that you're going to speak to all of us, and I want to ask you right now as a church to pray for those around you, and, and then pray for yourself, uh, that you're going to be open to what the Lord once said to you, and pray for me as your pastor. This is, a, I believe, a very, very important message today, and God has something he wants to say, and I want to make sure I'm clearly articulating what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear if you're ready, if you're ready to hear from the Lord in, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Well, in October of last year, God called me to a five-day fast. And it was probably one of the most important fasts that I've um, ever been on. If you've never practiced fasting, you should. Uh, you should try it. Um, it's not something reserved for preachers. I've done this for all 31 years of following Jesus, whether I was a preacher or just um, a lay person in the church. I've always practiced fasting, and it's the best way to hear from God. In October of last year, so I, I was fasting for five days. Some of you remember me talking about that, how I, uh, God called me every morning at 6 a.m. to that altar right over there. And I shared that um, a, f- a few months ago about that. Well, in the middle of that time of prayer and fasting, God woke me up at 2 a.m. one morning. 
Now that is a big deal to me because I'm a sound sleeper. I sleep through the night. I, 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 Laura, she has trouble sleeping through the night and she'll be up at 1.30 in the morning, not me. And, and when I put my head down, I am out, out. Anybody like that where you just like, it's no, no problem. You drive your spouse crazy, they don't like you. Uh, but I, do, I mean, Laura's done a countdown before. She's like, I'm gonna count down from 30. I'm like, don't do that. And by, before she hits one, I'm out. Last night, she's like, you can't go to sleep before me. Did I go to sleep before you? I, I didn't last night. Okay, all right, I won that one. You won that one, okay. So, but I, I, I go out easy. And so when I wake up, and I'm, I'm awake at 2 a.m., it's, it's a weird deal, because I'll wake up, and I'll just put my head back down and go back to sleep. So I, I woke up, though, and I couldn't go back to sleep. Now, part of this, I thought, was because Laura was gone. She went to visit some family, which is what she usually does when I'm fasting. She's like, I just want to get away from you. You're not eating. So she's like, I'm going to give you your space. And, uh, and it's a great time for me to fast because when Laura goes out of town, I'm not eating anyway, so why not fast? And so I'm fasting, wake up at 2 a.m., I can't go back to sleep. And it's just, I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. So I got up and, and I uh, checked some sports scores and read some sports stories and, and it was just kind of fiddling around for about 20, 30 minutes. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I got to try to go back to bed. So I went back to bed and, and, uh, and, and right as I got into bed and I laid back to put my head on the pillow, I don't know how to explain this or to articulate this the right way, but God in that moment said to me, I am trying to talk to you, dummy. Now, I don't know how that's how God talks to you, but that's how he talks to me because I just don't pay attention. Now, it was not an audible voice that I heard, but it was a very, very strong impression that I had, and I was like, oh, and so I sat up in bed and went like, oh, what do you want to talk about? And right in that moment, I had this picture in my mind of, of a rock like this, and two numbers came to my mind. 2.7 and 400. And, and these numbers came to my mind. I said, God, what are these, what are these numbers about? What, what do they mean? And, and so I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but God began to speak to me fast and furious. And I knew it was God, and I knew I needed to write it down because I would not remember it in the morning. Now, if you've never had God talk to you like that before, you need to get in touch with Jesus. Because he wants to talk to everybody that way, not just the preacher. Amen? Everybody. God has always done this to me for 31 years of following him, whether I was in the ministry or not in the ministry. And so I'm paying attention. I'm up. I'm riding as fast as I can. I'm at the kitchen table for three hours from about 2.30 in the morning to about 5.30 in the morning, just riding feverishly, listening to God, what he's wanting to speak to me. These two numbers of 2.7 and 400. What I want to share with you for the few minutes that we have today, I want to share with you that number, 2.7. And you come next week, I'm going to talk to you about that number 400 and what that number 400 means. See, that, that night, God led me to two passages of Scripture. And I began to listen to these Scriptures and, and allow God to speak to me through this. And the first one was Joshua chapter 6. And in Joshua chapter 6, as I just read, God has led the children of Israel into the promised land, but they have Jericho standing in their way. Now, if you're new to church and you don't know anything about Jericho and the promised land, when they went into the promised land, Jericho was this incredible, intimidating, mighty military force. They owned the region. 
And their town was surrounded by these walls. These walls were over four stories high. There were actually two sets of walls. They sat up on a hillside, and the first set of walls went up, and then the second set of walls. They were six feet thick, and the, the town itself sat on 10 acres. So I want you to envision, like, the soccer fields that are here on our church property. That's how big Jericho was. There was nobody going in and, and nobody coming out of that city. Well, a decade ago, if you're new to Core Church, you may not know this, but a decade ago, God led us to our promised land. I remember standing on this property with our founding pastor. At the time, I was the student ministries pastor. I remember standing over near the soccer fields, and, and there's nothing out here. It was just a little two-lane road. It wasn't four lanes, and the, the, the turnpike had just barely been put in. There was no exit ramp off there. And all of the growth in the city was happening over on the north side of town. There was nothing over here. And he began to cast this compelling vision that God had spoken to him that this is where we were to be. We were to be on this land, these 40 acres, and we were to do ministry in this part of the city. It was so compelling, and I didn't see it physically with my eyes, but I believed it in the deepest part of me because I knew he was a man of God. I knew he sought after God's voice and God's heart, and I knew God had spoken to him. It resonated with me. It made no sense, but I knew this is where we were supposed to be. And now a decade later, here we sit. Here we are on our promised land. But we have a Jericho standing in our way. And our Jericho, as many of you know, is $2.7 million of debt. $2.7 million of debt. It was once $4 million. Through miracles, God has taken it to two million. Seven. And that night, God began to speak to me about that number. And what I clearly heard God speaking, and I've heard him saying to me since, and I heard him very clearly speak to me the last three days that I've been out on this prayer retreat praying and fasting for our church, is that he wants to bring down these walls of debt. That's a really good place to say Amen. He wants to bring down these walls of debt. Now think about this. For, for the Israelites, wouldn't it have been ridiculous for them to go into the promised land and go, you know, this Jericho thing, it's way too intimidating, way too big. How about we just build houses around Jericho, Josh? Sounds like a good idea. It's a really bad idea. But isn't that the American way? Don't we do that? Don't we, don't we build our lives around walls of debt. Let me, let, let me give you an example of that. I mean, like, like we, uh, we go to school, we go to college, so we take on that, that student loan debt, right? We just put it on. We don't even think about it. Man, we just build our lives around that debt. Oh, and then we, you know what? I gotta have a car. I need, I need a car, so I'm gonna get myself a car. And so you get yourself a car, and you got now a car loan because you need a car, and so now you got that car loan. And then, well, then you gotta... You, you got to have that place to live, right? And so then you go and you get a place to live and you get yourself a mortgage. So now you got a mortgage and you're pretty much all tapped out. But then you're like, I, I need some money to survive. And so you go, well, I, you know, I need a credit card. I need, I need a credit card. And, and isn't this how we live our lives? We just drag debt all the way through our lives like it's normal. 
Like this is, a, this is the way we're supposed to be living. And we wonder why we're limited. We wonder why we're stressed. We wonder why we're so burdened and weighed down and unable to do the things we desire to do in our lives. The same thing is true in the church. When a church is burdened with a debt like this, it can be stressful, it can, it can limit our ability to move, it becomes this burden and this weight and this, and this unseen thing that we don't really talk a lot about, but we know that it's there and it makes it very, very difficult. But we act like it's normal. This is not normal. This was not God's plan for Israel, for them to build houses around those walls. It's not God's plan for our church, and it's not God's plan for your life personally. See, I believe God has given us this land, and I believe that God is telling us now is the time to to take off the weight and the burden of all of this debt, and I believe that God is also saying that for your own personal life as well. He desires for us to live free from that so that we can accomplish and we can do all that he has for us. Now, when you you look at this story in in Joshua chapter 6, Jericho fell in, anybody know, if you're a church person, how many days did they march and go and the walls fall? Seven, seven days, right? Well, we know that the walls fell in seven days, but what you may not know is it took Joshua seven years and 31 battles to conquer the land. Seven years and 31 battles. Here is what I believe God is saying to us as a church. I don't believe that God is saying, oh, these these walls of debt, they're gonna come down in the next seven days. Now, if you won the lotto last night, these walls are coming down. But I'm guessing nobody did. And so I'm guessing that's probably not going to happen. But I do believe, what if, what if we could get out of debt in the next seven years? What if you could get out of some of that debt that it's inhibiting your life in the next seven years? I believe God, like Joshua, is calling us to make that kind of a commitment to him. See, Jericho was the first of many battles, but for the Israelites, it was the most important. This was a defining moment for them because this was such a step of faith for them. See, in this moment, they could either backed up and said, let's go back to the other side of the Jordan. This is too much. This is too hard. Maybe, 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 maybe we missed it. Maybe, maybe we're not supposed to be here. But, but God spoke in the midst of what they saw and said, I am, I'm going to do a miracle and I've given you that land and you're going to possess that land. Listen, I, I believe there's many more battles to come for us as a church, but I believe this is the most defining battle for us as a church. This is our Jericho moment. This is where God is calling us as a people to step out in faith and believe, to keep moving, to keep marching, to keep trusting in him. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to make the same commitment that the Israelites made. There's three commitments, and I'd like for you to write these down. Okay, here they are. I want you today to make this commitment. And this, by the way, if you're new to Core Church, you're off the hook today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're totally off the hook. 
But if you call Core Church home and you're a follower of Jesus, as your pastor, I don't ask a lot, but I'm asking this of you. Will you give your time, your talent, and your treasure? Will you give your time, your talent, and your treasure? The first thing the Israelites gave was their time. Let's look at that. Joshua 6.3, it says this. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for, for how many days? How many? For, for six days. Now, this, this doesn't make sense, honestly. Think about this for a moment. Just think logically. These are fighting men. Fighting men march? No, no, no. Fighting men fight. That's what fighting men, fighting men attack. Fighting men, they, they storm. But what is this? This is a picture of faith. That's what this is. This is a picture of faith. In, in other words, they got up, they marched, nothing happened. They went back home, sat around the campfire. Their wives were like, how'd it go today, honey? Oh, well, it was, we just got up and we just we went on a long walk and then we came back. And Oh, so it's going to happen tomorrow? I, I don't know. And so they got up the next day and they marched. Nothing came back. How'd it go today? I do not want to hear. I mean, just every day for six days, they're marching when they're supposed to be battling, supposed to be fighting, but they're like, no, we're just going to march. That's all we're going to do. Why was it? Because this was a faith-building moment for them. This was a walk of faith. That's what this was about for them. It was about them stepping in faith into the land. This is, this is so important in this moment for the children of Israel because in this moment they're saying, we trust you, God. We believe this is where we're supposed to be. I, I want to personally say thank you to those of you who have been marching. Not, not for six days, but for the past six years. Now, you may not understand the journey of the last six years, but if you've been here, let me talk to just you who've been here the last six years. You have kept marching. You trusted God. You got up every day, Sunday after Sunday, and you just marched, and you trusted, and you said, I'm in. I believe, I, I believe in this vision. I believe in we're supposed to be here, and I believe this is where God wants us, and I believe God's going to do great things. And every day you get up and you'd march, and then nothing. The debt still staring at you in the face for six years, day after day, Sunday after Sunday, you get up and you march and the walls of debt are still standing there. You get up and you march and the walls of debt are still standing there. It was a moment of faith for you. And as your pastor, you brought us to this moment. And for that, I want to personally say thank you. Because the Israelites, they could have just said, hey, forget this. This is too hard. Do you see those walls? You know what, I'm going with the other tribes on the other side of the Jordan. We're going to live over there. It's just a lot easier over there. But, but they, they didn't. They, they trusted God. Man, it, it's tough to persevere, is it not? I mean, I just went Christmas shopping with, with two teenage kids, and I had to persevere through three stores. I thought that was going to kill me. Now, maybe you like Christmas shopping. I don't like Christmas shopping. But this was for my wife. And so I'm going to persevere, and I'm going to tarry on. And, and we're moving through every store, and I'm looking at the list, and there ain't nothing on the list, and I'm texting her. They ain't got that blue thing you want with the scarf with the silk stuff on it. They ain't got it. And, and so I'm moving, and I keep going. Finally, we just end up with the $5 DVD bin. And I'm like, just get her a Richard Gere movie. I think she likes Richard Gere. 
Daddy, this one has a prostitute in it. We'll just pray over it. That's what we'll do. I know. We'll just pray over it. And she just likes Richard Gere. We'll just overlook the other part. I mean, it's just like persevering. Okay, that, that's for Christmas presents. But honestly, you know what kept me persevering through those three stores? Because of my wife because of my love for her and because I wanted her to know she was valued, she was loved, she was appreciated, and she meant something to us. So I did something that I normally don't like doing. That's what you guys have done who've been here the last six years. You didn't do that for this church, you didn't do it for people alone, you did it for Jesus. You did it because you love Jesus. And you said, this is what God has called me to, this is what we're supposed to be doing, this is why I do it. It's for him. You set the example for the rest of us. So what I want to ask you to do today is what the Israelites did, and that is to commit your time. The first thing I want you to do is commit your time. In 2016, I want you to say, I am committed to Core Church being my home. In, in other words, what I'm saying is, I'm committed to being in the house of God every Sunday. If I'm in town and my family's not sick, or maybe a family member is sick, even if they're sick, I'm going to get my butt up and I'm going to come to church. No more, no more of this where my family was sick and so I just stayed home. You know, you know, you realize that you could come and somebody else, you may have a spouse that could stay and one of you could come, right? right come on now, amen? Isn't it interesting that we don't think work is optional, we don't think school is optional, but we think church is optional? But what's more important in our lives, work, school, or church? Church. Church is the most important thing on your schedule. Why? Because you're in the house of God with the people of God. And so the first commitment I'm asking you to make is to the house of God. Will you commit to being in the house of God every Sunday? Not once a month, not twice a month, but every Sunday that I can. That is going to be the difference maker for us in 2016 and in the decade to come. Is people who are committed to God with their time. Now, the second commitment they made. The second commitment they made was a talent. Verse 7. Then he, this is Joshua, then he gave orders to, to who did he give the orders to? To what? Say that with me. To what? The people. March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Now, now think about it. Why, why send everyone? Why, why not just send, like, the priest and, and, and a small battalion and then everybody else wait until day seven because nothing's going to happen until day seven, right? Why are you sending everybody when you only need to send a few? If I'm a warrior in this point, if I'm one of the armed men, I'm going, hey, Josh, buddy. So let me get this straight. You want me to like get fully geared up, go on a long walk with you, come back, and then go, get geared up and go on a long, long walk with you. Tell you what, buddy, hey, you know what? I'm just going to... I'm going to kick back here, if you don't mind. I'm just going to kick back here, and I'll tell you what, because I'm, I'm an armed man. And, and on day seven, when we really do something, then, then why don't you, you call me, and we'll do that. Listen, the same thing is true in the church. It is so easy, so easy to come to church and let the pastor and a few people do all the marching. So easy to do that, to just come and sit and hear some good music and a, good sermon and get some good coffee and have your kids taken care of for about an hour. So easy to do that, but that's not the call of God. That wasn't the call for the children of Israel. It's not his plan for the church. He wants everybody in the game. He wants everybody marching in unity. So the second commitment that the children of Israel made was their talent. 
And I believe that's what God is calling us to do is give our talent to him. Are you on a core team? I want to ask you in 2016, if you call Core Church home and you're a follower of Jesus, get on a core team. Commit to saying, I'm going to get on a core team in 2016. I'm going to make a difference. Here's how you may say, oh, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, I mean, really? I mean, a greeter, really? I mean, shaking hands, like, I got so many, uh, woo, shaking hands. Wow, that's so hard. Here's what you don't know. How many of you were uh, shaking hands today? You were part of our greeting team. Raise your hand. Raise your hand so we can see you. Put your hand up. Come on. Greeting team. All right, let me talk to you. When you came in today, I, as a pastor, I'm privy to everybody's sin and brokenness. I am. So when you came, when, when you came today, you may not know this, but you, you shook the hand of somebody who's struggling with depression. Like they can barely get out of bed. And they, they came to church trying to find a little bit of hope. And when you reached out your hand and physically shook their hand, you put a little hope in their hand. When you stood at the door and you hand out a program, which you don't realize is when you handed out a program, you, you handed it to a, a guy that um, is about to give up on his marriage. Just isn't sure if it's going to work. And they're barely hanging on. But you, you stood there and said, hey, man, welcome. And you said to that person, you have a place here. God wants to use you. Kids, it ain't child care. It's about mentoring a generation so they don't have to deal with the brokenness and the struggle and the hurdles and things that we've had to endure. But hopefully they can start out at an early age and their story always be, always follow Jesus. You know, I, I mean, I just see so many people have given their time to children and to teenagers and, and watch those kids grow up and then talk about those people. And, oh, I remember when I was back in the elementary room. Oh, man, I remember this. I remember Mr. So-and-so. I remember when Miss So-and-so did this. And, oh, man, the way they, they talk about it because they remember it. So will you get on a core team? Third commitment that I want to ask you to make and that the Israelites made was their treasure. Verse 19 all the silver and gold and, and, and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord, and they must go into, let's say this together, into what? His treasury. Now, what's going on here? When they went into Jericho, Joshua told them all of, the, all of the riches, all the silver, all the gold, everything that we get has to come back into the house of the Lord, back into the temple, back into the church. Why is that? Israelites totally understood this. We don't understand. We're like, that doesn't make sense to me. Here's, here's, it made perfect sense to the Israelites because they understood first fruit offering, okay? They understood that the first of everything belonged to God. And, and that first, first tent always was given to God no matter what it was. So whenever they had their first crops in, they would give that first 10% to the house. Here's the thing, too. They wouldn't give the leftovers, in other words, they didn't like harvest the whole land and then whatever was laying around, and it says this in scripture, they, they, they could not give that to the Lord. That was considered scraps and leftovers and they weren't supposed to give that. They were supposed to give their best. Well, Jericho, Jericho was the first fruit of the land. And so they knew this is the offering. All of this belongs to God. So my question to you is this, is God getting your first fruit or is he getting your leftovers? When it comes to giving, financially supporting the local church, if you're a follower of Jesus, 
Does he get first fruit or does he get leftovers? What's the big deal? The big deal is this. In chapter 7, the very next chapter, there's this guy named Achan. And they went into, this, into the next battle, into Ai, and they got defeated. They should have wiped Ai out. It was a nothing city, no chance of them winning. They didn't hardly send very many soldiers, and they just went up there. They got completely annihilated, and Joshua inquired of the Lord, what happened? How did we lose that battle? And God said to Joshua, there's sin in your camp, Achan. Achan has stolen those things that belong to me. See, when Achan went into Jericho, instead of bringing it to the house of God, he kept it for himself. See, Achan was kind of like this. Well, I earned it. I earned it. I fought this battle, and I earned it, and I need it. My family needs it. As we go into this land and we try to find a place to live, we're going to need some resources. And so he kept it for himself, and they suffered an incredible defeat. Listen, we as a church and you as an individual will never fully hold the promise of God if you withhold from God. You cannot withhold from him. So the third commitment I'm asking you to make is this, your treasure. Are you willing to commit in 2016 to regularly giving your treasure, your tithes and your offerings to the Lord? And you say, man, Brad, 10%, I, I just, I'm not there. Pick a percentage and work towards it. If you're a follower of Jesus, Pick a percentage and start working towards that. But say, I'm going to commit to start giving regularly. Now, if you're like, man, I just don't know. Listen, we have our 90-day giving guarantee. We will, we will ma- hey, listen, if you give for the next 90 days, you begin tithing, and you can't pay a bill or meet a need, we will refund you. We'll give you back whatever you need to pay whatever bill you've got to get paid. That's how much we believe in this. I'd encourage you, too, we want to come alongside you, even in your own life, getting out of debt. It's so important for us to get out of debt. That's why we're starting this core group with Brian and Leanne Kennedy. It's so important. I Get into that group. That will help you to not only uh, to get out of financial debt, but it will also free you up to give those resources because I know we all want to do it. We all want to give, but we're all strapped, and this will give you that opportunity to do that. We want to come alongside you. So let me finish by saying this. Why is it so important that we commit our time, our talent, and our treasure in 2016? Go to verse 22. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise, go to, I'm sorry, I think it says prostitute's house. (laughs) Really? Uh, Could you imagine on a Sunday morning if I said, okay, here's the plan. We're all going to Cloud Nine Gentlemen's Club after church. Um, You're like, what are you smoking, man? Our pastor, on my last Sunday, I would say that. (laughs) So Joshua says, bring her out. Now, what's going on here? When they went into the land, there was a prostitute there because this was a military force, and so this was, they had a house of prostitution, like a, like a saloon and a modern-day bar, and, and Rahab was the prostitute there. She believed in God. She, she was crying out to be saved by God. And so the, the two spies, the spies that were in the land, they said, if you'll protect us, then we'll protect you. And so they, she saved their life, and in return, Joshua spared her life when they went into the city. See, this this wasn't just a conquest. This was a rescue mission. Through a prostitute, God demonstrated his grace and his mercy to us. This is one of the greatest displays of God's grace and mercy in all of Scripture. If he can reach a prostitute, and his grace and mercy is available to a prostitute, it's available to every single one of us. See, this isn't about $2.7 million of debt. That's not what this is about. This is about people 
This is about a broken and a hurting world. See, there's, there's another debt out there. People are, are carrying around the debt of sin and shame and brokenness, and they think it's normal. They don't realize they can be free. They don't realize they don't have to carry that with them anymore. Come on now, amen? That's, that's our story. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's your story. That's my story. 31 years ago, I was Rahab. I was so messed up. Before you met Jesus, you were a Rahab. We've all been Rahab. We've all broken and fallen in our sin and in our shame, and we're carrying around all of this baggage. But there was this church, and there were these, these people, and they loved me. Despite my brokenness, they, they cared about me. And there was a group of people that said, I'm gonna give my time and my talent and my treasure. And because they did that, I'm in the kingdom of God today. Because people sacrificed. Because they said, I'm gonna do it. I'd walk into this church and I wasn't a follower of Jesus. This old guy would shake my hand with the biggest smile on his face every week. When I came to Jesus, I would tell Laura, man, I just, I want to be like him. I want to be like that guy. Be so happy. See so much joy. I want to be that. 31 years ago, I took all my baggage off. And however many years ago it was for you, or weeks, or months, or days, you took the baggage off because people sacrificed. That's what I'm asking you to do. Are you willing to sacrifice for people who need the guilt and the shame and their sin removed. In your chair back is, is a card. I want you to grab that card. It says Brick by Brick 2016 Commitment Card. You're on the front row. If you guys would hand the ones in the front row one as well. I want you to take that with you. Don't fill it out. Don't turn it in today. I want you to hang on to that card. And I want you to begin to pray over the next 30 days. I want to ask you to do this. You're a follower of Jesus. I want you to commit to fasting. At least one meal, if not all day. Fast and ask God the commitment he's calling you to make. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you, God creating the local church so that we could find you. Thank you for creating a place where men and women could gather and have the baggage of our sin and our shame removed. And thank you, God, for calling us to this work. If you're here today and maybe you're a follower of Jesus, there's something you need to, something you need to cast off or Maybe today you need to fully surrender your life completely, 100% to God. You realize, man, Brad, I'm just not there, but I need to get there. I, I need to give my life fully to Him. I've been holding back, but I need to fully surrender my life to the work of the Holy Spirit. God, would you do that in people today? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Maybe today you say, I need to fully surrender my life to the work of the Holy Spirit. I have an area I need to lay down. Would you raise up your hand? Thank you. See you. Got you over here on the sides. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Today is your
your day for salvation. Your baggage, your sin, and your shame can be removed. Maybe you walked away from God. You've been away from him for a long time. He's calling you back. And he's saying, I love you. And I have a plan for you. And I want to remove all that shame and all that baggage. Here's the prayer you pray. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I know I'm far from you. God, I'm a Rahab. But if you can save Rahab and pour out your grace and mercy on her, would you do that on me today? I accept your son, Jesus, my living Savior, dying on a cross for my sin, taking my place, risen again so I could have hope. I believe made that your prayer today. All heads bowed. I won't embarrass you. I just want to know who you are so we know how to be praying for you. If you made a commitment to follow Jesus today or recommitted your life to him, would you raise your hand? Anybody today that did that? Thank you. Right over here on the side. Anybody else? All heads bowed. Nobody looking around. Anybody else? You made that commitment today. God, thank you so much for every person who's made a commitment today. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a big hand clap. Woo! Amen.